Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I am your host, the Artificial Dragon. I'm your co-host, Darth Celine. And welcome to episode 57 of the podcast, everybody. Uh, we're kind of getting back into a flow of things. I know this episode might be a couple of days late, but, you know, shit happens sometimes, which is completely fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, so... Quickly, before we dive into the meat of this episode, uh, I'll quickly fraud the Patreons. Uh, if you love our content, please uh, support us, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a like, leave a comment. Uh, the previous comments and like on the uh, Grand Army of the Republic episode have been skyrocketing recently. I was really surprised with that. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um... But uh, if you guys want to support us more, um, we have a Patreon, which we'll put in the link of the description below. It's patreon.com slash canmail. Once again, that's patreon.com slash canmail. And any tier you contribute to, the lowest being $2 and the highest being $10, you'll have instant access to our Discord server where you can... Uh, talk about general Star Wars lore, share memes, or bitch about your day like me and Hannah do every once in a while. Yep. <laughs> also support my blog. Also support Hannah's blog. I still need to throw you a couple of questions. Uh, it's I've, been a bit since I've had the motivation to work on it. You know, that's completely fair. Um, <laughs> I've been uh, catching up on a lot of uh, real life stuff on my side, but... uh. Yeah, shit happens sometimes, as I like to say, yep. but <laughs> but anyway, um, so once again, this month's Patreon art piece, uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I'm not sure how you guys haven't seen it yet, um, this month is Mara Jade, our Valentine's Day art piece, and she is looking suave for her husband. She looks amazing. She looks yes, gorgeous. <laughs> yes, queen. That nice little meme. But yeah, um, if you guys love Mary Jade, uh, go ahead and uh, contribute to our highest amount on Patreon. Download her. Put her as your uh, background for your phone. Or print her out. Put up a nice little pin up in, on your wall. Or whatever. Um, she's good. Really, really love Jade. And I've grown to appreciate her character ever since doing the research on her. But, yeah, agreed. She is, she is a really good character. Yeah, she is a really good character. And I'm looking forward to uh, exploring more uh, female characters in the Legends uh, section of Star Wars canon. Same. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'll give a brief shout out to all of our lovely smugglers. Um, as usual, we have White Wolves, Cameron Lee, Dr. Emboss, Gobez, Tristan H., but last but not least, Irk the Turtle. Thank you all for supporting the content that we have been making for the past two years and hope to make more in the foreseeable future or un until we've scraped every bit of lore of Star Wars, however long that'll take. Yep. <laughs> but yes, um, with that aside, Hannah... I'm, am I forgetting anything? No, I don't think so. I'll probably uh, update myself if I do forget something. But anyway, um, do you want to know what today's episode is going to be about, Hannah? What are we talking about? We will be talking about a fairly interesting topic. Specifically, we will be talking about the civilization slash races of the pre-republic era. Uh, in summary, like ricotta and everything. Well, I mean, like the ricotta, they're part of the pre-Republic era, the Infinite Empire specifically. But uh, let's be honest, there is so many other civilizations that uh, I will be talking about. And the ricotta, there's so much lore about them. Like they... I mean, they're not exactly present in Swator, but you could you yes, could feel their presence. You encounter them a lot. Well, I mean, not like a well. I mean, probably a couple of flesh and blood ricotta, but their technology. I mean, you can stop against ricotta machines as well. 
That is very true. I think ricotta points in every single every single glass story. <laughs> yeah. Um for ricotta, um they have so much lore. I think I'm going to need to do a dedicated episode for them because oh my god, there's a lot of lore on ricotta. It's not even funny. Yep. <laughs> and that also goes for other pre-Republic civilizations like uh, the Celestials, who may or may not be the ones from uh, from uh, the Clone Wars series. Um, yep. And the uh, Killix, which are another, ironically, bug race that you actually like, Anna. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there anything else I'm forgetting? Uh, oh, yeah. Um... As I was doing research, the Tyon Cluster, which is, uh, you probably heard of a word Tyon thrown a lot in Swator, but it has a uh, deep pre-Republic history. Like, uh, it has numerous empires. There's there's a certain asshole called Zim the Despot, who's basically the Star Wars version of Alexander the Great, but he'll require his own episode for that. Okay. But yeah, we will be talking about the civilizations of the pre-Republic era. Some of them are civilizations that obviously may or may not no longer exist in the modern era of Star Wars. Some of them do exist, but some of them are just like, uh, are basically bygone empires before the Infinite Empire and the, and the other main factions of Star Wars, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we dive into the uh the uh deep end of star wars lore let me actually give you a nice little quote from the uh holocron of odon Ber- ard benar sorry <clears throat> out of a great void came the universe its galaxies star systems and suns everything that exists and will ever exist was spawned from the primordial plasma of time's beginning. Is that the end of the quote? Ah, uh, yeah. And then there's another quote that basically says, Now, a long time ago, before there was a galactic republic. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we're... You know how, like, in each... Uh, movie of Star Wars that begins with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that sort of thing. Yes. This is basically that, but with uh, ancient past of a Star Wars galaxy. Good lord. <laughs> would have thought that there is so much material to Star Wars. Ironically it's enough. That far back. Yeah. Um, ironically enough, the, the beginning of the universe in the Star Wars galaxy, anyway, was pretty much the same as our own real world. Like, there was the Big Bang that created all the stars, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. We talked but, about that briefly in the Jeopardy livestream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> oh, that was such a good live stream. I'll give you credit for that idea, Hannah. Thank you again. <laughs> we'll watch it. Yeah, it's so good. I'm looking forward to playing it again. But semantics. Um, where was I? Okay. Um, in the lore of Star Wars, there's always like this quote that's thrown around where uh, modern archaeologists and all of those kinds of people are like the the history of a galaxy before the Republic is so infamously hard to record that we know very little about it but of course that's from the perspective of the people in the universe we as a fans know a little bit of what happened pre-republic era sort of yes like uh i say that and we don't know shit about the celestials they may have been the ones maybe unrelated fucking tell us about them (laughs) but yeah um aside from the celestials we know a good amount of what happens in the pre-republic era of star wars minus the uh the infinite empire the jedi order and the killix all those all those sorts of people we we uh talked about earlier Mm -hmm. but uh 
I'll mostly be talking about a bunch of races that have... Okay, if you recall in our holiday episode, the Wookiees have been around for, I believe, 25 million years. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, um, we'll be covering a history that predates the Wookiees, I believe. Damn. Yeah, so we'll be covering a bunch of races slash civilizations that are old like really old okay <laughs> and uh let me go ahead and throw out a uh a, a little curveball for you hannah um so the first race we will be talking about let me see if i can find them here we go um so there's this race uh they're kind of weird looking they're called the kalumi if you'll look in the chat right now Uh. <laughs> I was expecting that reaction. Okay, basically typical, usual. What it's what um. <laughs> Gray aliens, we think yeah. When we think alien. Yeah. Um. That's like default alien, but just tinier. Yeah, they're just like. <laughs> you think they're smaller than Jawas? I believe. That's ew. That's <laughs> ugly. <laughs> But yeah, um, the Kalumi are actually credited as one of the oldest races in the galaxy, as they have developed space travel and explored much of the universe millennia before any other race like the Duros and the Deveronians ever made their own hyperspace technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, they are most recognized by their large cranial cavities and atrophied limbs. Um, oh yeah, it says right here, they're around, uh, three to five feet in height. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> very, so their evolution, uh, began as herbivorous reptiles that mostly lived in trees. They used to have prehensile tails, uh, they laid their eggs in their trees, which are, you know, out of reach of most predators. But as evolution goes on, they basically jumped to such an extreme that they just outcompeted all other life forms on their native homeworld of Columbus. And uh, they basically grew big brain in their a majority of their evolution. Like, most of their vital organs would be drawn up to their cranial cavity, and they outright lost their ability to smell. Oh. And they have the most vague sense of touch. Definitely very alien. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pardon the pun. They are very alien. Uh, the only legit connection they have to the world around them is through their eyes, which allow them to see and hear everything, such as wavelengths. Wow. So they could literally see sound. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Despite their ugly appearance, they are pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> And their most defining feature is obviously their massive head, which takes up a third of their entire height and contains four cerebrums. Uh, for, for reference, I believe the uh, average human has two cerebrums. No, actually, uh, it's the largest part of our brain, so we only have one, technically. Mm -hmm. But these motherfuckers have, uh, what was it? These motherfuckers have four. Yes, very big brain. Very big brain, literally. That uh, Have you seen that meme of a guy who has such a big brain that he sits in it like it's a chair? I have, but I was thinking uh, Markiplier is big brain time. <laughs> you know, that's also a good meme, too. Good on you, Hannah. Um. Mm -hmm. But let me see, uh, they also have uh, over a hundred lobes. Like for humans, we have a frontal lobe, the parental lobe, the occipital lobe, and the temporal lobe, uh, which is four. And these motherfuckers have over a hundred lobes. Wow. 
Yeah, and each of them is dedicated to an independent function, like maybe one area is for memory, another is for uh, vision, so on and so forth. Okay. Yeah, so these motherfuckers are big brain times a hundred. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they, fo- they, they're basically the guy from D&D that puts all of their stats into intelligence and then uses a dumb stat for everything else. That is pretty funny. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Like, they, they evolved to a point where they can't even use their arms or legs properly. I mean, look at that fucker. He could probably... Uh, fall over if he attempted to walk by himself. That's very sad. How the hell did they get around? Well, uh, they developed specialized technology, which is controlled through their mental thought. Hmm. And, uh, well, they depend on droids to do most of the manual labor and all that shit. Okay. And uh, here's a funny thing. They're so smart. They actually look down upon other races that uh, use their strength to accomplish their goals instead of their mere intellect. Hmm. Yeah. Um, So let me actually get to their nice juicy history, both literally and figuratively. Um, They eventually developed a technologically advanced civilization at around... 100,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. And this is like uh, 64,000 years before the Infinite Empire came into being, by the way. Okay. And they would develop their own interstellar travel. And they would soon send out scouts to, you know, survey the galaxy. To see if there were other planets they could colonize. And, uh, you know, see what else the galaxy had to offer. Um, so the Kalumi, they basically explored the entirety of a Star Wars galaxy before legitimately anyone else. I don't think even the Celestials were around. Okay. And, uh, alright. How long has it been since you watched, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Hannah? Uh, a couple of years. Okay, so you remember the uh, the villain of a movie, Ego, the Living Ego, Planet? Yeah, the Living Planet. Yeah. And do you remember what his uh, ultimate end goal in that movie was? No. Okay. Uh, so basically, uh, when he explored the galaxy, he became disappointed with every sentient being that he came across, and he wanted to transform the entire galaxy in his image. Okay. That's, uh, okay, mine is transforming the entire galaxy. That's basically what the Kulumi came to the conclusion with. They found so many other sentient races, and they were disappointed in them. Sounds like the Chiss. A little bit, but uh, at least the Chiss have the decency to not be all like, oh, I'm disappointed in you. Instead, they're like... I could direct you to a better path. The Kalumi are outright all like, these these guys, they're no better than barbarians. Oof. Yeah, and this, and there were so many, uh, so the Kalumi's homeworld had a lighter gravity, which is why they were able to grow such a big head in the first place. And every other planet in the galaxy had higher gravity, so a lot of these worlds that they came across were just uncomfortable to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, on top of that, they couldn't find any other race that even rivaled their mere intelligence and were cavemen by comparison. They were like, you know what? Fuck this. The galaxy doesn't deserve our intellect. We're going to go back to our homeworld and just stay there. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, there was also... Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, fuck this shit, I'm out. And uh, there was also... I mean, this is all from word of mouth of a Kalumi. And even though they are smart as fuck, it's probably a fair bet not to believe everything they say. Mm-hmm. 
And there were additional evidence by, uh, I believe, philosophers that they eventually did encounter the Celestials. And the Kalumi were all like, oh, fuck, these guys are uber powerful. I, we better not colonize any other worlds and incur their wrath. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, aside of uh, the reason is kind of irrelevant because point is the Kalumi explored the galaxy, then came back to their home world and just stay there for a majority of their history after that. Okay. Yeah. Um. But let me see. Uh. And yeah, that's basically all that the Kalumni are noteworthy for. They're one of the oldest races in the galaxy, and they were kind of an in enigmatic race where they keep to themselves. They do have a democratic government and all of that. Um. And all of, and uh, they do attempt to do open trade, but. Their form of technology is so over-specialized that a lot of races don't want to trade with them anyway. Okay. Because, uh, do keep in mind, a lot of their technology uh, is controlled by their own mental faculties. So, imagine trying to use that form of technology and you don't have a mental capacity to even start it up. Yeah, it's like... Looking at something like in. Uh. Hello? No, fuck. What? Oh, you, uh. <laughs> sorry, what did you say there? You cut out there briefly. It's just, you know, just looking at something and not knowing how to work it, even though whatever is giving it to you is just like, oh, it's that easy. Like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> It's like the more fucking equivalent of giving a smartphone to a caveman. Exactly. <laughs> unga bunga, how the fuck did this shit work? Yeet! <laughs> but, uh, let me see. But, even though uh, a majority of races in the galaxy don't understand how they work exactly, they are... They acknowledge the Kalumi to be one of the most intelligent races in the entirety of the galaxy. Like, uh, here's a couple of quotes from uh, a couple of characters talking about their intelligence. But these are Kalumi. If we try to outthink them, we'll lose. Okay, so they're very, very smart. They are very smart. That's from Luke Skywalker, by the way. Um, okay. And another quote... The trouble with Kalumi is that they're always three steps ahead. That one is from Han Solo. Okay. So yeah, they are insanely intelligent. Um, but let me see. Like, there are only a handful of uh, Kalumni characters because they rarely wander from their home world because why the fuck would I tread into water where I'm surrounded by primitives, basically. But there are a couple of crime lords, uh, Kalumi crime lords, who have created their own crime syndicates. They managed to make a name for themselves. And there was actually, in lore, there's a team of Kalumi engineers that, uh, let me see if I could uh, pronounce this droid company. Um, they were hired by Senaweb Amalgamated Pharmaceuticals Company to create the GH7 Medical Analysis Unit, which uh, if I'll share in the chat real quickly, is the medical droid that, uh, that uh, examines uh, Padme Amidala from Episode 3. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could actually see the resemblance between that droid and the Kalumi. A little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, it has multiple limbs, but yeah, you can see a resemblance. Yes. But uh, an interesting thing about the Kalumi is that, uh, as I mentioned before, they have a democracy. Like, each Kalumi citizen has equal... Equal rights to vote for any policy. Okay. Like, uh... It, okay, um... 
if you kind of recall from the Verpine episode, all Verpine could like communicate telepathically. It's like a uh, a uh, it's like a democracy where all of them have equal rights. That's the same thing with a Kalumi, but instead of instantaneous communication, all of them are soup so super duper smart that uh, policies can last for. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Um, basically, debates and decision making would drag on for years. Just like the Senate can't get anything done. Yeah, I guess that's one thing the uh, the Republic and the Kalumi have in common. They never get you done. Nope. (laughs) Though, funny enough, uh, when the Empire came across Kalumas, it was noted that the Kalumi met them with an uncharacteristic swiftness and joined the Imperial cause right then and there. Okay. They were all like, oh shit, we don't want to get blown up. Yes, 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 we'll uh, we'll join you guys. Just please don't kill us. Just about as uh, uh, cowardly as the Nemodians. Yeah, uh, you could argue that the Nemodians aren't as smart. But yeah, they are kind of, they're literally spineless. Oh, the Nemodians are spineless too. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's also noted that the Kalumi, even though they offer their service to the Empire, some of them would actually offer their services to the Rebel Alliance as well. Nice. Yeah, so at least there's that going for the Kalumi, and that's pretty much all the lore we have on the Kalumi. I think they are a fairly interesting race, it's just that uh, that neat idea that they're so smart, like uh, there should be... They should have a uh, role in what goes on in the galaxy, but apparently they don't. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay, so moving on, we will be talking about a, another race that uh, you might be a little bit familiar with. Um, we will be talking about the Gree. I'm a little familiar with them, and they're also very... They're an ugly species. <laughs> Especially the models in Sator. Uh, let me actually see if I could throw uh, a uh, old depiction of a Gree for you real quickly. Um, here we go. This is what uh, they originally looked they like. They still look creepy. <laughs> yeah, um, the Gree are, uh, alongside the Kalumi, they are credited as one of the oldest and most advanced civilizations in the galaxy. Um, I think I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, if you remember in Swator, they are responsible for creating a majority of a Coruscant underworld and its uh and uh its world engine, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh like if you recall, that's why they have so many droid representatives sent to uh Coruscant is because they want to repair its systems and everything. I think that's. Like a uh, part of the Coruscant, uh, like sto- uh, world or planet story, but I cannot fucking remember. Yeah, <laughs> I know Shows how interesting that was. <laughs> fair enough, Hannah. Fair enough, but yeah, Vagree. Um, there is so much shit that Vagree have done. Uh, I almost wanted to make an episode purely about them, but it's all just a lot of technobabble. Uh, vague bullshit, but I think it's just fair to put them as an entry for this episode anyway. Okay. Um, so yeah, the Gree, even though the picture doesn't depict them as such, uh, they are actually smaller than the Kalumis. They, like, stand at around two to three feet tall. Bullshit! They are as tall as your character in Star in Swator. <laughs> Even taller. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, they basically operate in a Type Two atmosphere, which by Star Wars standards is basically an atmosphere that's unbreathable to humans. Which is, uh, I... sorry, go on. I was telling my mother good night. Okay. Um. Tell her I said goodnight, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, 
But yeah, normally when they are on atmospheres that are breathable to humans, they wear a spongy rebreather around their face, which, you know, lets them operate in such environments. Yes, just like how Plo Koon does it. Yeah, just like Plo Koon. Thank you for that. Um, in their society, the Gree are directed by a caste system, which is separated in four distinct groups. The first one is the crafter. The second is the researchers, the third is the operators, and the fourth are the administrators. Okay. And uh, each individual, like if you see them agree in the pictures, they there, um, they have like tattoos on their heads. That's basically a designation for their cast and rank within said cast. Okay. Um. Did not know that. Yeah, you learn something new every day. Um, mm -hmm. As such, uh, the modern Gree are more concerned... Oh, actually, um, slowly over time, the caste system would actually be dominated mainly by the operators, uh, the researchers, and the crafters, as the administrator disappeared over time. Actually, sorry, let me rephrase that again. It would be dominated by the operators. The rest of the uh, cast would just slowly disappear over time. Oh. Yeah. Um, as such... The modern Gree are more concerned with with the technology they still have and maintaining their cultural purity. So they're not exactly going out and making new technology, or at least uh, technology they once had in the past. Um, the Gree lacked any true warrior caste system, preferring to use droids as their main military force. I did not know that. Yeah, another reason why they send droid representatives instead of attending personally on Coruscant. You still see Gree on Coruscant. Well, oh, huh, I guess I miss them. Uh, but beside the point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, another interesting thing about the Gree is their language, um, which I think you... They have the most weirdest way of speaking Yeah, they do. Um, it's basically described as them speaking in metaphors based on geometry and colors. Yes. Like, like a... Yeah, go on. Like uh, purple parallel and, you know, other, other shit like that. Yeah. Um, I believe uh, Black Biosector means helper with difficulties or in layman's terms hero huh and uh another example i wrote down was green obtuse which possibly means not working layman's terms broken okay um but let me see uh during the past of what vagree themselves would call the most ancient and forgotten days. They would advance as a species and develop a form of hyperdrive that allowed them to explore the galaxy. And they would encounter many races. Um, most of these races, in the, in the same fashion as the Kalumi would, um, most of these races were barely in their own industrial age. And Vagree would, you know, trade with them. And sometimes even rule over these younger races. Okay. However, Vagree themselves made a policy where they would never give technology to a developing civilization. Unless they were theoretically able to create similar technology. So, uh... They do not trust these younger races with their advanced technologies, which is understandable like, if you think about it. That's like trusting a toddler with an iPhone. <laughs> the metaphor They're from going earlier. To break it. <laughs> very fair, very fair. Um, and uh, this, and this, um. The ancient Gree were formerly called the Gree Empire. I know, very imaginative, but. The modern-day Gree government would be called the Gree Enclave. Yep. It gets um, mentioned 
Yep, it gets it gets mentioned in the game. Yeah. Um and they would create many technological marvels uh during their early days in the galaxy and they would actually come across uh these certain people called the celestials one day. Okay. And the Gree submitted themselves as client races of the Celestials, alongside other ancient races like the Kilix. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, not too long after, the Gree would find dangerous competition through a new jumpstart civilization these certain people called the Rakata. Oh, okay. So this is where the Ricotta come in. Yeah, the, the Ricotta were pretty much the new kid of a block. And the Gree, uh, they didn't conquer a good majority of the galaxy, but the, the, the Ricotta with their infinite empire came in, motherfucking Kool-Aid man for the wall, and forced the Gree back to their own borders. Wow. Yeah, the, uh, infinite empire, uh, it, it, it was just an absolute massacre when the Infinite Empire uh, made its foothold in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Gree, pretty much like the Kalumas before them, would remain isolationist to their own homeworld of Gree. You know, keeping to themselves like, okay, we tried to conquer the galaxy, but these fuckers kicked us off of our lawn, so now we're just staying in our homes. Just don't bother us if we won't bother you, sort of people. Okay. And for the remainder of their history, the Grieve would become an isolationist race. Uh, they're basically prominent. They're kind of that background race that a majority of people know about. Like, oh, have you heard about the Gree? They make some pretty killer technology. But they're basically just, uh, they're a shell of their former selves. They do have the technology, but they don't exactly have a motivation to go out and conquer the galaxy once more. They just lost motivation. Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, (laughs) like there would be... Notable people that would pretty much go to the Gree region of space and try to explore their history. And every once in a while, the Gree would get them with some pretty kick-ass technology. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you remember Count Dooku's solar sailor? Yes. That was made by the Gree. I did not know that. Yep. Uh, Count Dooku's elegant ship. That was made by Gree Hands. Nice. Yeah. Um, so let me go ahead and briefly go over some of the Gree's notable technology. Um, one of their most infamous creations are the Hypergates. Uh, basically, think of a, a star... Have you seen the series Stargate? No. Uh, so imagine it as a portal... That brings you to another place in the galaxy. I just put it in the chat, by the way. Okay. Um, the nice thing about the hypergates is that they are basically a network of devices that creates hyperspace wormholes that essentially circumvents mass shadows, which, if you recall, is basically the... Uh, the uh, shadow of planets and all of that, and why people can't go into hyperspace indefinitely. Okay. And these hypergates, they're basically better than normal hyperspace travel, but in the modern day, hypergates are pretty much gone. They're basically myth to the degree now. Okay. And, uh, the Gree are capable of terraforming entire worlds to suit their standards, very hyper-advanced. They also created, uh, artificial intelligences that are so powerful they could seize control of entire starships. Yeah. 
Like you remember the uh, the uh, Aya calf from from a Swator? Yes. Hate that think, fucking planet. <laughs> think uh, so. Think of the uh, the crap. What are the uh, the okay the Eternal Fleet? What are the droids that controls the Eternal Fleet? The Scorpio droids. The Scorpio droids. Imagine the Gree created their own their own artificial intelligence that no, matches not Scorpio. Scorpio the, the Gemini droids. The Gemini droids. Thank Scorpio you. is just her name. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for that. Um, imagine the Gree capable of creating an artificial intelligence that matches uh, Gemini droids. Okay, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I think it's like a specific quest item that you get in Swator. There's a thing called Gree computers, which are basically advanced navigational computers. I know that there is an item, a companion gift called a called a like a Gree temporary temporary mind link. Yeah, it's that's like a supporting gift. <laughs> yeah, um, they also made that. Um, the Gree computers are basically hyper-advanced uh, navigational computers that allow them to navigate uh, nebulas that are otherwise dangerous to normal uh, hyperspace vessels of Star Wars and all that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the Gree are pretty interesting. They make a lot of bitch-ass technology and... Uh, much like the Kalumi, they are uh, <laughs> they are too big brain for our little minds to comprehend and all that bullshit. Okay. Um. So the next race we will be exploring are what is called uh, the Harglatch. I'm just going to pose pictures of them here. Imagine the Harglatch as basically killer whale people. Oh, wow. And they are big boys. Do you have a picture? Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, they're big. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and the Harglatch are kind of interesting. Okay, let me actually ask you a question, Hannah. Just looking at the pictures, what do you assume the Harglatch are known for? Uh, they look big and strong, so I guess, like, mercenary work or something? I don't know. That's, uh, you know, that's completely fair, Hannah. Um, the Harglatch are actually known as, uh, very pacifist people. Oh, I remember now from that trade agreement that we tried to <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping you would remember the Harglatch trade empire. Barely, but I knew it sounded familiar. Yeah, um, I'll briefly bring you up to speed. The Harglatch are a peace-loving race who are also infamous for their gambling addictions. Yes, didn't we have an NPC who was a gambler, or was that a... No, he was a... He was with the, the, the uh, shark shark dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, he calls himself the greatest gambler in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. I can't remember if I'm at the top of my head. But, yeah, he's a shark person. Not a hard glatch, but, yes, yeah, a shark person. Um, but, yeah, the hard glatch, they developed their advanced hyperdrive technology at around the same time as the Corellians did. Um... And they actually made their own little trade empire, which is very similar, I believe, to the, uh, what was it? The, uh, um, crap. Um, okay, it'll probably come to mind later. But one of those ancient merchant empires from the days of a Roman Empire and all that. Okay. Um, they, uh, <laughs> um, like the... The Harglatch, um, let's see, they, according to some Imperial scholars during the days of the Empire, the Harglatch were able to create advanced technology, which is light years ahead 
uh, light years ahead of anything the Empire was able to create back in the day. And they actually had uh, gravity-defying technology, which they no longer have access to nowadays. Okay. But yeah, um, the Hargladch, uh, the Hargladch are known as natural explorers, traders, and they are commonly seen in their angular ships, which I, which makes me imagine that a lot of their trade ships look like anglerfish. Definitely an interesting ship design. It is. I wish there were pictures of this because it sounds so fascinating to me. Um, the Hargladge, even they are, uh. Um, they are a calm and inquisitive people, and they were actually a welcome addition to the Galactic community when the, when the Galactic Republic was founded. And the Harglatch would actually be one of the races to establish the Rima Trade Route, which is one of the major hyperspace routes of the Star Wars galaxy, Route 66 of space and all that. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that in the hyperspace episode? We briefly did. I'll still need to uh, make an episode about hyperspace lanes and all that whenever that episode comes out. But uh, yeah, the the Hargladge are kind of interesting. Like they are big, but they're pretty much gentle giants. Uh, Whenever they're away from their homeworld, they feel self-conscious about their height because a lot of accommodations are basically designed for, well, you know, human-sized sentience. (laughs) So they always have to uh, worry about not damaging property or, uh, you know, causing problems for everybody because they're like seven feet tall on average. But, uh, yeah, the Harglatch are pretty interesting. Thought I'd throw them out there. They're, <laughs> um, they are the best boys. By the way, their language, Harglatchies, uh, they have to use their blowhole to use their language effectively. That's annoying. A little bit annoying, but they can speak basic pretty easily, so no harm, no foul. Yep, anyway, what's next? So next, Hannah, I think you might find particularly fascinating. Um, so there's this other race called the Qua. I'll put them in the chat real quickly. And the Qua are the original inhabitants of Dathomir, by the way. Oh, okay. And uh, the Qua, uh, they stand at a height of 9 feet and 8 inches and might have been Force-sensitive. The jury is kind of out on this, but I'm just going to say they're Force-sensitive. Okay. And the Qua, um, they're pretty much the, the benevolent empire race. Like, their entire history is reaching out to other primitive, primitive races in the galaxy and basically uplift them with their knowledge in the force, which they called the power of the cosmos. Okay. And uh, they, you know, they would go around spreading of their knowledge of the force to all of these minor races. Uh, you know, just being benevolent uh, keepers of the galaxy, like they believed in peace and prosperity. They're basically pre pre Jedi. As if the uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, another uh, another noteworthy thing about the Qua is that they created this technology called the Infinity Gates, which is basically like the uh, the Gree Hyper Gates, but way better. Um, like the Ricotta, they legitimately wanted to harness the power that Infinity Gates had to offer. Like a big old soccer ball. <laughs> um, I, it's not a, exactly a great image that I put there, but basically it's a gigantic portal that allows you to go to anywhere in the galaxy. Okay. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And uh, even though these guys are benevolent, 
they their own benevolence would prove to be their downfall because one of the races they helped uplift would be <laughs> um the primitive forms of Rakata. Okay. And Verakata, they didn't find out until they uplifted them. Verakata had these uh, cannibalistic tendencies. And the Quah were all like, oh no. Uh, these guys are dark side nature. And then the, the Rakata were like, hey, could we have uh, a share of that Infinity Gate technology? And the Quah were all like, no. You can't have that. You'll probably conquer the entire galaxy. And Verkata were like, yeah, so? They were unashamed about it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was thanks to the Qua that we have the Infinite Empire. Mm-hmm. Unintentionally, granted, but still. Um, and the Qua, uh, so an additional thing about the Infinity Gate, aside from it opening a portal anywhere else in the galaxy, it would project this uh, this uh, weapon called the Infinity Wave, which basically creates a singularity that draws in a world that it targeted along with its uh, nearby satellites and basically yeet them into infinity itself. Okay. So, yeah, um... God damn. Uh, <laughs> just a lot of uh, quantum mechanics bullshit over here, basically. Yeah, and I know nothing about that, so... <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, basically, the Qua would disable the Infinity Gates so that the Ricotta won't possess its technology. And... The Rakata pretty much pushed the Qua back to their original world of Dothamir and drove them to near extinction. Right. And, uh, and eventually the surviving Qua, um, they didn't pursue any more spreading of technology to these younger races because they felt eternal shame for creating the Rakata. And eventually, they would regress to a more primitive race called the Kui. I'll send a picture of them to you. I think I've heard of the Kui. Yeah, and the, the Kui are basically these blue dinosaur-looking fuckers. And uh, at one point, the Night Sisters decided to drive them to extinction. Of course. <laughs> but fortunately not all of them were driven to extinction i think they have like individual tribes here and there and some of the more uh what was it some of the more benevolent clans of dothamir actually saw them with a high amount of reverence and to write a qua uh yeah a qua is considered a sacred honor because those those fuckers aren't going to let you ride them obviously not yeah and oh yeah here's another thing i forgot to share the qua shared uh another distinction with their ancestors the qui they actually have mental telepathy so they could actually communicate messages to you uh telepathically thanks yeah so I think that's a pretty neat old race of the original inhabitants of Dothamir. So nice little unveiling of a curtain for Dothamir. Um, next are, let me go ahead and bring up their pictures for you, Hannah. Um, next race are the Shiro. Um, they don't look particularly interesting. They're just old, uh, feeble looking human fuckers. Okay. Um, but the Shiro are another ancient humanoid race. Uh, and their entire history is that they were one day advanced. Then they found out about the Celestials. They felt threatened by them. 
And to avoid their attention, they would go underground and hide their cities underneath these plastic pyramids. And they created a bunch of orchids to basically drain their intelligence, to make them look like primitive people in the eyes of the uh, Celestials. Okay. I think I may have briefly talked about these people's uh, people in the gods episode. How long ago was that? (laughs) Fair enough, Hannah. But near the beginning of the channel, near the beginning of the channel, that is very fair. Like two ish years ago, something like that. Um, Yes, Kate was still with us. Yeah. Um, And these versions of Ashiro would be called the Toka, otherwise known as the Broken People. Um,. They would also create this artifact called the, uh, where was it? Uh, the Mind Harp. And that's basically what it looks like. Okay. Um, just, uh, <laughs> to give you a little bit of background, uh, these people appear in a early Star Wars novel called Lando Calrissian and the Mind Harp, I believe. Okay, I guess it's not a very popular novel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just one of those weird side stories. Uh, this is before Lando Calrissian gave up the Millennium Falcon to Han Solo. Um, but um, basically, the Mind Harp is this device that, if act- activated by another civilization, would basically awaken the intelligence of a Shiro. And I believe Lando Calrissian activated it. And all the. Uh, what was it? The Toka got their intelligence back. They were like, oh my god. I, I gained smarts now. I'm no longer a caveman. I have smarts. I have big brain now. <laughs> but uh, basically after that, uh, they were able to drive away all the human settlers that settled on their world and basically turned their entire race into slaves. And they basically restarted their own advanced civilization to such a point that even Papa Palpatine felt threatened by them and sent a permanent garrison to keep an eye on them. Amazing. He felt threatened by something. <laughs> happen often. Yeah. Um, just another noteworthy thing of the, uh, the weird EU section of Star Wars I just thought I'd throw it out there because I know somebody in the comments will be mad if I don't mention them. <laughs> but let me go ahead and explore a newer aspect of the uh, pre-Republic era of Star Wars. Um, so I'll go ahead and talk about the the rays. That has actually been introduced in uh, Jedi Survivor, which is uh, one of the more recent Star Wars games. Um, there is this race called the Zephoans. And I'll go yes, ahead and... We, we talked, we've mentioned the Zepho before. Yeah. Um, and that's what they look like. Yeah, they're really weird looking. Yeah, they're very weird looking. But the little we do know about them are actually kind of interesting. Um, they are obviously very powerful force users, and they called the force the life wind. Um, and they would, and the force users of said arrays were called the Zepho Sages. Um, another technologically advanced civilization, they created many relics and temples across numerous planets in the galaxy, one of them being Kanchik and another on Dothamir itself. Yep. Yep. Um, the Zavonians, uh, you know, there will be ancient murals, a lot of their architecture are there. Um, it was said that the Zavonians were generally a peaceful culture, but over time they became more and more corrupted by the temptations of the dark side, where one of their number, um, you know, the classic... Oh, it was a peaceful civilization until it was not. And then this uh, dark member basically wanted to control the life wind itself. And he was uh, killed for his treason. And it and his reign marked the decline of a Zephonian culture. 
and the Zavonians, facing extinction, fled to the Unknown Regions in hopes of finally finding peace. Uh, even though the Zavonians are long gone, many of their relics and temples would remain. Many of their votes would be guarded by these ancient droids cast in their image called the Tomb Guardians. And I'll go ahead and put them up because these guys actually look pretty cool. They got that nice little uh, <laughs> samurai aesthetic to them. Yeah, the armor does look pretty cool. Yeah, they are pretty cool. I gotta play Jedi Survivor one of these days. Um, okay, we have one last race for you, Hannah. And uh, do keep in mind, um, this particular race originated from one of the original Marvel comics back uh, in the 1970s, somewhere around there. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so, okay, so I couldn't find pictures of a race itself, but I'll share with you uh, the, their story. Um, there is the Arabin race. Um, the, we don't know exactly what these people look like, but they have once inhabited the world of Arbara. Um, they lived many years before the founding of a republic, and these guys uh, decided one day, you know what? Negative emotions are gay. We need to rid all negative emotion from our very beings. And... Eventually, they developed technology to rid all negative emotion from their body. Okay, so they became psychopaths. Or no, so... <laughs> you would imagine that. However, um, all of these negative emotions being purged from their bodies, it would normally go to somewhere else. And this collection of negative emotions would culminate into a singular being. Um, and this being would be called the Darker. And I'll send a picture of this fucker in the chat. Yeah, wrong one. Uh... <laughs> okay. So... The Darker is basically the living embodiment or the literal embodiment of the Arbian race's negative emotions. Um, and they would yeet this fucker into an energy field that contained the negative energies. And over time, the Arbians would... Um, so there is a... Uh, it's implied that they could easily kill the Darker, but the only reason they didn't want to was on the grounds that the Darker was basically a part of them. And then sometime in their history, the Arbrians would abandon their homeworld to begin their civilization anew and just let the Darker in its eternal prison to rot throughout the ages. And it was eventually discovered during the Imperial Era where the Rebel Alliance, wanting to establish a base on this backwater planet, it would be stumbled upon by several Rebel Alliance personnel where uh, they would free him and this darker being would control negative emotions. Like, I, I think he restrained Chewbacca by increasing the rage within him and Chewbacca had to resist him. Oh, excuse me. Um, but eventually the darker would be killed by, uh, the help of Chewbacca along with, uh, C-3PO, R2-D2, and these native creatures called the Hojibens. I'll send you pictures of them in a little bit, but basically Chewbacca just yeeted this fucker into a force screen, ultimately killing it. <laughs> yeet! Yeet! <laughs> if a dark is like, ah! Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh boy. The embodiment of all negative emotion and gets yeeted by a walking carpet. Yep. 
<laughs> I think that's pretty hilarious. And I'll and as promised, I'll send you the uh, pictures of Hoji Bobs. They're basically little rabbit creatures. Like the Kushiban? Uh yeah. They're a little weirder than the Kushiban, but <laughs> they're still fairly Cute. adorable. Yeah, they're fairly adorable. And I believe in like uh subliminal sources. The Arbrians, uh, even though the current whereabouts of a race is unknown, uh, it is noted that their language looks similar to the ancient Sith, so they may have some sort of connection with a race, uh, the Sith race anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of a weird one, but, uh, yeah, that is, uh, all the interesting slash weird uh, pre-Republic civilizations I thought i throw at you, Hannah. In the same way Chewbacca yeeted the darker. Yep. I definitely, <laughs> uh... There's definitely a lot of information that just got yeeted my direction. <laughs> oh, somebody's gotta make a meme of that one of these days. But, uh... Well, what are we gonna cover next time? <laughs> but yeah, that is our episode of Cam Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi. Or in this case, how much can I eat into Hannah's brain tonight? But yeah, um, thank you everybody for listening to this interesting yet weird episode of the Cam Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. Once again, if you love the content that we make, be sure to support us by liking the video, surprise subscribing to our channel. Uh, supporting us on Patreon, all of the uh, necessary stuff. And uh, I suppose we'll see you in the next episode. Have any closing statements, Hannah? This is the way. This is the way, and may the force be with you. Bye-bye! Bye! -bye. Bye.